Today's podcast is brought to you by the Ashbrook Center. The Ashbrook Center is an independent center at Ashland University that teaches students, teachers, and citizens what it means to be an American. Ashbrook's new book, 50 Core American Documents, tells America's story from the founding through the 20th century using original historical documents. Get your copy of Ashbrook's 50 Core American Documents today in the iTunes store or at 50docs.org. That's 50docs.org. Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast to talk about the CIA, quote, torture report, end quote. We welcome Steve Hayes from the Weekly Standard. Steve, how's it going? Hey, Michael. How are you? I'm, well, I'm fine. I'm doing better than Jonathan Gruber is right now, by the way. <laughs> uh, we all are. <laughs> I, I wish we could separate the Gruber and the CIA because both stories are so good and we're, we're eating them on the same day. I want to exactly. spread them around. It's a pretty big news day. What, it, let me, what is it that the Senate Democrats are going to tell us in this report, and what is it that they're saying that you find the most disturbing? Well, by all accounts, uh, this is going to be just a, a blanket condemnation of the CIA's enhanced interrogation and detention program. 499 pages is the executive summary that basically encapsulates a 6,000-page report. The problem is the the report was drafted almost entirely by Democratic staffers on the Intel Committee and made very little effort to obtain and then certainly include the other side of the story. So, for instance, you're going to see the Democrats on the committee argue that no enhanced interrogation ever produced any valuable information whatsoever. Well, the the evidence, I think, contradicts that claim, uh, but you're not going to see any of that evidence in this report. Uh, what about the claim itself that waterboarding uh, and other, as you use the phrase, enhanced interrogation techniques equal torture? Uh, one of the things that's discussed is that early on after 9-11, when people were, let's face it, the most fearful, some methods were used. Uh, there's going to be an important mention of a power drill, et cetera. Is it true that some of the CIA interrogators or their agents went too far? But is it also true that there's a difference between torture and what it is our guys were doing? Yes, and I think it's an important distinction. There's, we're, we're going to hear soon. I mean, when the report is released, we are going to be, we're going to get the details of some really nasty things that um, some interrogators did, including and especially those who went beyond the program. I think once the protocols of the program were set up, they were followed mostly um, in, in a way that I think produced valuable intelligence. That is what I think the CIA would like people to focus on, what the intelligence community would like people to look at, what was done inside the program. There's no question that there were abuses. There's no question that people went outside the program and did things that I think will leave everybody sort of horrified uh, that we could do that. In that sense, there will be some torture included in the discussion uh, of this report. But I think what you'd hear from those involved in the program is that, by and large, what the CIA did was heavily regulated. Uh, they took they went to great lengths to make sure that nobody would be actually hurt uh, over the long term and did the kinds of things that they thought produced valuable intelligence. And in your reporting on this, you've talked to one of the people who was actually involved in the practice of using enhanced interrogation techniques, uh, and you've written about him extensively at the Weekly Standard. Yeah, I mean, this is a very interesting fellow who, who you know, wasn't able, uh, for reasons of classification, to tell me what he did. Um, but I, you know, did some reporting and found out sort of who he was and what he had done and what his involvement was. And he was one of the lead interrogators of the program beginning in 2004. Um, and his his argument, he wrote a 39-page document that we've posted at uh, weeklystandard.com 
uh, called an interrogator breaks the silence. And what he argues, in effect, is, look, we're not even having a debate here. We are condemned before we are even allowed to present our case. And you see this in the media coverage of this report. You, the, everybody is discussing the report is saying in the mainstream media is saying this is the Senate torture report, which is accurate if you think it represents the entire Senate, which it doesn't. And if you think it is about a CIA program to torture individuals. Which Other than doesn't. that, that label is completely accurate, Steve. Other than that, yeah, the the <laughs> and the report are accurate. <laughs> So let me. What about the claim, though, that we did not get actionable intelligence? That it really that at the end, that once we were done looking at it all, it was nothing that we needed or that we couldn't get elsewhere. Well, I think it's false, uh, and I think you'll see uh, in the additional views that are written by the Republicans on the committee, and also in a CIA response, a pretty good indication of just what kinds of intelligence we obtained uh, through the use of these techniques. But there's a very interesting public um, way of looking at this, and this is also in this, this document that the uh, interrogator wrote at, that we have posted at theweeklystandard.com. He says, note the change in public language from the president of the United States. Barack Obama ran for office and said, in effect, this program is immoral and it's ineffective. It just doesn't work. But that language changed. When he became president, after he was briefed on the program, he said that we could have gotten the same information that we got through the use of enhanced interrogations through other techniques. That's a very different right. argument. I mean, it really is. It's a subtle shift, mm -hmm. but it's an important shift because he's acknowledging that we got this information. And then he's asserting something that, of course, is unknowable, that we could have gotten it through other means. But, of course... We tried to obtain this information through other means, and it didn't work. And, you know, the, the people who are involved in the program will tell you that once you went through, once you applied these techniques to somebody like a Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, mm -hmm. he literally would hold office hours and tutorials on al-Qaeda for the interrogators and describe virtually every aspect of how the group works. Now, now why did he do that? KSM because in effect, he said, you have, I have, I did it. My religious obligation was to resist these techniques to the very end until I couldn't resist them anymore. And once I've done my religious duty, I can talk to you about this, which he then did. Now, it doesn't mean that everything he said once he went through uh, the enhanced interrogation techniques mm -hmm. was true. And in fact, what I think you'll hear is that uh, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed ended up giving a very crucial piece of information that eventually led to Osama bin Laden by not revealing that piece of information. That is to say, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed was so obviously protecting one particular piece of information about a courier that his interrogators knew um, almost instantly that this was a significant person precisely because Khalid Sheikh Mohammed was refusing to tell them about him. Let me ask you about the president's statement, and uh, he said it again through uh, his spokesperson, Josh Earnest, that it doesn't matter if you get essential information from waterboarding. It doesn't matter if you get critical information from waterboarding. It's still wrong. I won't do it. Are we really not? If, if today the head of ISIS was in our custody and knew about a planned attack on American soil, would we not use waterboarding? Is that really the position of the United States government today? So let me surprise you and say that I respect the president's argument. I think that's a totally intellectually honest sure. argument for the president of the United States to say, look, what, what we are talking about is so morally reprehensible that it cannot be part of what the United States uses, the tools the United States uses to prevent terrorist attacks. I understand the argument. It's, I think it's intellectually responsible. It's morally defensible. 
Um, I don't agree with it. And I think if the opponents of the program would limit themselves to that argument, we could have a serious debate about it. Right. They aren't limiting themselves to that argument. What they're saying instead, as you suggest, is that the, these things just don't work. Well, they do work, but they'd rather have the argument. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that it's, a, it's a safer argument for them to try to say they don't work at all and it's morally indefensible because if they do work, then you're presented with the scenario that you just sure. raised, which is if we have somebody that we're interrogating, we know that they have valuable information about an attack that's either imminent or a, a long-planned attack, should we use these techniques to to extract that information? And then I think it becomes it becomes a harder harder for opponents of the uh, the right. techniques to say no. But I also think there's one last thing here, Steve. I appreciate your time, which is the waterboarding itself. We are not saying should the United States do anything it could possibly do. You know, dip you in acid or you know, cut off your fingers. Of course, this is something very specific. Waterboarding. Which does well, no lasting harm. Uh, as you point out in the Weekly Standard, we do this to our own elite soldiers to train them. So the president is saying, something I do to my SEAL teams, I won't do to Ahmed bin Ahmed, you know, an agent of an illegal terrorist army, or not army, illegal terrorist gang that plans to kill Americans. Right, and if you if you go to the to the post on the theweeklystandard.com uh, by this interrogator, he spends most of his time talking about his experience in this SEER program where he was subjected to many of these enhanced interrogation techniques. I think that's, I think that's, that's sort of the key point. I mean, are these, are these techniques effective? Would they, in fact, could they be used to prevent attacks? I think that we'll see evidence that they have been used to pre- prevent attacks, which, again, I want to be very clear. I'm not saying that, you know, some of the, the results of these enhanced interrogations weren't exaggerated. They were. I'm not saying that the Bush administration didn't, in some cases, exaggerate the import of the information that was gleaned from these interrogations, that happened. I'm not saying the CIA didn't lie to Congress about these things. That happened. I'm not saying there weren't abuses. There were abuses. All of that, take all of that, but understand that at at the end of the day, the key argument is did these interrogations work in some circumstances to provide information that led us to either prevent attacks or capture, uh, understand al-Qaeda better, capture senior al-Qaeda terrorists, and I think the answer is an unequivocal yes. And final question, what time do they start waterboarding Jonathan Gruber? <laughs> They're interrogating him now, but it's a pretty <laughs> friendly interrogation as far as I can tell. Uh, Steve Hayes with the Weekly Standard, thanks for your time. We appreciate it. You bet. Thanks, Michael. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.